Hi, and welcome to the Infinite Ritual Podcast, where we explore all things spirituality, healing, and authenticity. We learn how everything that we do in life becomes ritual, from our daily simple habits to our spiritual practices, and they help us embody the most authentic version of ourselves. We are here to raise our consciousness, honor our connection to the earth, and ultimately connect through belonging and community while we are here. So, welcome. Hi, and welcome to the 18th episode of the Infinite Ritual Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin McCarthy-Quinones, and I'm excited that this is the 18th episode. I am a life path number eight, so that feels a little bit symbolic. And uh, if you hear me coughing during this episode, I'm recovering from a cold that I had over the weekend. I hope I don't sound too congested, but we are here, we are feeling clear, and we are ready to talk today. And today's topic is going to be all about being an empath. What does it mean to be an empath? What are empaths? Are they mythological? Are they real? Is it a made up term from the spiritual community? Um, And then what the hard truths of being an empath are, then how that can also be turned into our unique and empowered gifts. And this is something that came through really strongly recently to me that I wanted to destigmatize this idea of claiming or taking ownership of being an empath because I was reluctant before of saying that this is what I am because it's, I didn't want, I have this thing of not wanting to sound like I'm coming from this hierarchical, like holier than thou, like more, it like empath, I feel as though gets the stigma that if you're labeling yourself as that you consider yourself to be more like spiritually gifted or, um, just more intuitive. And that's not how I ever want it to come across as. So I think, I was a closeted empath, um, but it was very obvious that I was at the same time. So we're destigmatizing the ownership of saying that you are an empath along with um, just the hardships that come along with it and how we can turn those hardships into our very unique gifts when we take these hardships and become more grounded in our power as empaths versus our depletion. So I was able to differentiate these hard truths into three categories that I'm going to dive into today. And those are enmeshment, codependency, and hypervigilance. I'm going to get into what all of those are as we go throughout this episode And by the end, we will talk about something exciting that I'm really pumped for. So what is an empath? I think we have to start there. You know, you hear the word empathy, empath within empathy. So we know that they're related. Most likely you've heard of the word empath and it is the process of being able to to feel the feelings of another person. And it's not just thinking the other person's feelings or analyzing the other person's feelings because any human is capable of using their analytical minds to try to guess 
where a person is or what they're thinking or what they're feeling. But specifically with an empath, we have the experience of being able to actually energetically experience the feelings of another person through our bodies, which can get very confusing, (laughs) which I will get to later. Um, This is sometimes synonymous with the highly sensitive person, HSPs. If you've ever heard of that terminology before, it's becoming more and more popular. There was um, a book that was released that I have yet to read within, I want to say the past couple of years called The Highly Sensitive Person um, by Laura. I forget. I forget the name, but Quick Google will let us know. And so the highly sensitive person and the empath do have a singular differentiating factor. And that is that the highly sensitive person, loosely defined, is someone who can be really overstimulated in certain environments where there's a lot of people or a lot of um, stimulation. So They need a lot of alone time to recharge and to process um, and to digest and to come back into their own sort of energy. And if they're overstimulated a lot of the time when other people are around, that has more to do with um, just the sensories and processing things, whereas an empath specifically tunes into the subtle energetic body and emotion and experiences the emotion of others through their own bodies. Um, So it's everything that a highly sensitive person is, but with that um, somatic bodily emotive experience as well. So just wanted to point that out because when I first started you know, reading and learning more about empaths, highly sensitive people came up and I was like, wait, what is the difference between these two things? Are they synonymous? Are they the same? Um, But no, empaths share all of the qualities of HSPs, but they absorb that subtle energy from other people and the environment into their bodies. So that is the difference. So how does an empath become an empath? This is something that stems from childhood trauma, typically. And specifically for me, growing up in a household where I experienced an alcoholic father in the family, there were a lot of dynamics. And I'm not going to use this episode to trauma dump, so I'm not going to get too into the specifics with what those dynamics were like for me, but we will talk about the first category, um, which is codependency. So if in childhood you were in a family dynamic where you felt responsible for the emotions of your family, you know, for your mom or for your dad or for your siblings, um, if you felt like your words and your actions impacted like the way that they felt and that you had to be the mediator or you had to be the one to smooth things over or you had to be the one that just was your your 
your okayness was dependent on making sure everyone else was okay, which is a lot. Like as a kid, no one should have to have that experience. You should feel okay with being a kid. But often this is happening on such a subtle, subtle level that we don't realize. We don't realize what we're doing when we're like placating or soothing or taking the role of like, you know, mothering almost the people around us. So especially within young girls, this is something that really develops within us because we are taught to be more nurturing and more sensitive and more caring and more attuned to what everyone is feeling within the family dynamic. So naturally, um, there might be a higher level of women who are empaths, but, um, within codependency growing up, it can also turn into this feeling like that, you know, you become a giver and you have to kind of sacrifice your own feelings or thoughts to caretake for this other person. Um, or you grew up watching your parent figure doing the same, whether they put aside their own thoughts and feelings for whoever in the family had the more dysfunctional dynamic. There's usually, <laughs> oh, there's a cough. We're going to have a sip of tea. There's usually one person in the family whose emotion is like dominant. And especially within an alcoholic family, usually it's the alcoholic who sets the tone and the dynamic and the emotion for the rest of the family members, because really the, the, um, the dynamic was dependent on their mood, where they were, how they were feeling and everyone kind of the, if, if that, if that person in the family, if their emotions were heightened or chaotic, then everyone else's was dependent on that creating codependency. Um, so codependency can also come into play when, especially if you are child and child in an alcoholic family or substance abuse or any type of thing, addiction, where the parent who has said addiction, um, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, let's say it's your dad has the addiction, your mom typically without really consciously doing it will enable the destructive addictive behavior um, out of self-preservation or <clears throat> out of um, really just wanting to like survive um, because confronting that conflict continuously can be really draining and it can also cause a lot of fighting and arguments and um, blow-ups and um, just witnessing this myself growing up I can see how exhausting that was, you know, for my mom. So there's a level of complacency that ends up happening and enablement of the addictive behavior. And, um, and yeah, so, so witnessing that within, especially my mom as the female figure, just absorbing all of that through me and seeing that these are kind of the, the dynamics. So let's even take a look at, I looked up the Merriam-Webster definition for codependency here. And I found it interesting because 
it uses the word manifesting. And I was like, oh, okay, Miriam Webster, getting a little new age on us. But <clears throat> my gosh, so annoying. I'm so sorry. It says, um, codependency is a psychological condition or a relationship in which a person manifesting low self-esteem and a strong desire for approval has an unhealthy attachment to another often controlling or manipulative person. So I found that really interesting because it says a person manifesting low self-esteem, meaning that a low or a high self-esteem is something that we as individuals can manifest. And from that manifestation, if it's low, creates a strong desire for approval from someone who is more dominant or more manipulative. And I found that to be so mind-blowing because in so many of my relationships from like my best childhood friends to my relationship romantically were with these types that were like more dominating, more forceful, and a little more manipulative with being able to get what they want through other people and really strong-willed, like really dominant in their expression, in their dramatics, in the way that they are. And as an empath, that we're really like attracted to that energy because there's this need to be able to like um, not just rescue or save or like not really that it can become that, but more like we are seeking some sort of a status quo with this person. Like if we can maintain their energy, you know, and like we can kind of absorb the strong will into ourselves and somehow that helps us feel approved of. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. It does in my head. And so, yeah, with that, I, I looked back and I was like, wow, yeah, I had, you know, my best childhood friend was always someone who was very dominant, very manipulative and very theatrical. And sometimes that was a, like the theatrics and the dramatics were sometimes fun for me. You know, I was more of an absorber. I was more of a observer. I was more of the reflector. I was, you know, and so it was like this dynamic, um, as well as the empath to narcissist attraction magnet is very, very strong. You will see that a lot within codependent relationships. Typically, an empath and a narcissist are like tight. They can be attracted to one another because the empath being in codependency, being in that state of enmeshment, which I'll talk about next, of wanting to please, of wanting to put aside our own emotions and needs to feel like we are even there, like it's so strange to try to explain. It's It feels like we, we exist when we exist for this other person. You know, like our emotions are so wrapped up in the emotional experience of this other person. And if we can take their emotions into our body and like work through them and transmute it into something else, then 
it it solidifies our existence or our experience. Um, enmeshment is kind of the result of that. It's having really faulty boundaries, unclear boundaries, having almost little to no personal boundaries. You know, you don't even have an idea anymore of as an empath, what your own emotions are because you're so focused on the other person's emotional experience and feeling what they're feeling and being dependent on that as approval and as a way of validating your existence that you don't even realize like what yours are. So it's this over-exaggerated sense of empathy and responsibility for these emotions of other people. I find myself avoiding all types of conflict. I never wanted to make anyone feel like growing up, I never wanted to make anyone feel like I disapproved of them or I didn't like them or they wanted to be left out because I knew what it felt like. And I felt it so deeply that I was like, anything that I can do to avoid making anyone feel anything negative at all. <laughs> I will do, you know, at, at my own detriment of not even knowing what I'm feeling in this person's presence. Cause it's like, wow, how are they feeling? Are they feeling left out? I just need to say yes. You know what I mean? To everything that they need, like they need to be included. Okay. I need to include them. They need to be heard. Okay. I need to hear them. They need, what do they need? What, what it, wow. Doing that for everyone for so long. And I had to work this through even with my therapist one-on-one she was like there's rings of empathy that you can save for certain people you know like being empathic is one thing like being able to feel another person's feelings you're really only supposed to maybe do that with your partner or like one other person not supposed to do that with everyone you can have empathy you know you can you can have empathy for someone but it's different to have empathy and to be empathic Empathy is different because, you know what, I'll get to this. I'll get to this in a moment. I'm going to finish with this idea of enmeshment because it is typical in families and this can happen in childhood and early adulthood growing up and being confided in by a parent figure if they're telling you their, their emotions and you're processing it with them or secrets or their you know, like their emotions are wrapped up in your emotions and their experience is wrapped up in your experience. That can be really typical um, to set up this path of an empathic nature and you're being confided in, you know, being confided in by this adult figure. And I definitely relate it to that because growing up within this family dynamic, having an alcoholic father and a mother who struggled with that, I remember being in the car at like 13 years of age and having to comfort her while she cried about him. And again, not trauma dumping, not getting too deep into my experience, but just continual emotional processing and support and feeling and crying and feeling the emotions of my caretaker and feeling like I'm the caretaker of those emotions, you know, like this, I hope, is a mirror for you to see if you have ever been in this same dynamic. So enmeshment is that sort of losing touch with your own emotions and your own self because your soul so wrapped up, literally enmeshed 
with that other person's emotional experience. Um, so the third category of the hard truth of what it means to be an empath is hypervigilance, which I think kind of tears down from codependency and enmeshment because when you are always attuned to that other person's experience, emotions, needs, um, you're always on the lookout. You're always frequencing yourself into, you're always attaching your frequency to the environment. You know, you're always scanning, searching, feeling, putting it through your own body, feeling it out. I remember like growing up and it just was natural for me to, let's say I'm getting a snack from the kitchen. I'm listening to the sounds of the house to the footsteps is, oh my gosh, is he angry? Okay. Is he, is he home yet? What room is he in? You know, like attuning myself to where the person who's, whose primary emotions of the house made everyone else dependent and codependent on their own situation. Right. So whoever that dominant person is, um, the one with the addiction, the one that is struggling, the one with, you know, the alcoholic in my family's case, you know, being so attuned to that was so natural for me and be like, okay, I can tell he is sober right now by just like sounds and, and senses and scanning like the environment itself. Um, so with that, growing up with that naturally, you take that from the home and you do that with all of your environments. You're going out with your friends and you're doing the same thing. You're going out you're in school, you're in class and you're doing the same thing. You're scanning your environment. Now, suddenly that thing that you could apply at home is applied to an entire room, you know, like scanning for the environment, scanning for what people are feeling, what they're sensing, what they might be experiencing. And that creates a hypervigilant state. You know, it's like, you're always on the lookout for the unease, for the conflict, and you'll do anything to avoid that conflict to the point that if I ever got into like an argument or a state of uncomfortability, something that was like an imbalance that naturally happens within any friendship, within any relationship, like if I felt if what this person was doing or saying made me feel bad and I tried to express that, I might start like crying or you know, getting confused and lost. And this happens, you know, like multiple times with that best friend from childhood who I was speaking about. If I tried to let her know like how this was making me feel and it would get turned around on me, you know, like while well, you did, da, 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 I would apologize and like feel, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, and then apologize for the way that I felt because I, felt so uncomfortable in conflict because it felt so strange to, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that my emotions and my experience and telling you how you're making me feel made you feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad, you know? And that's something that I even to this day need to remind myself that this is a tendency of mine. It doesn't necessarily go away. I just have to be more aware of it now. So can we get to the good news yet? <laughs> That was a lot. Whew, yeah, from codependency to enmeshment to hypervigilance and 
this process of becoming an empath can be so draining and so depleting. And yeah, we're not supposed to be empathic with everybody. It's just not possible. And we can't maintain our own knowing of ourselves and boundaries if that's to be kept up. So there is good news. And the good news is that we can turn this ability into our empowered gift when we pair it like things with, as Miriam Webster said earlier, if we can manifest low self-esteem, we can manifest high self-esteem. So if we manifest high self-esteem, our internal compass of approval shifts and it becomes an internal source of approval giving to ourselves versus needing it from the external person. And there's less people-pleasing. So manifesting a high self-esteem, knowing approval comes internally, um, setting and knowing your boundaries, having the self-awareness to being able to filter, to know what is yours and what is not yours, which comes down also to energetic clearing, protection, grounding as like a daily process of being an empath for me now. So with that, I am so excited because my first offering that y'all are hearing about first on the podcast is going to be an online women's circle surrounding this theme of being an empath and highly sensitive person. Um, and we are going to have a circle and it's going to be donation-based. So it is pay what you can. And we are going to, within a circle, um, which has been happening for centuries with women, by the way. So this work is more of a remembrance than something new when you come and you join this, which you will if you're feeling called to it. Um, we will, you know, open the circle with this discussion. We will go on a hypnosis journey that I will lead surrounding either self-empowerment or self-forgiveness, depending on which I'm feeling more called to when the time comes, because I think both are so important when it comes to reclaiming this work um, and just really connect with one another and share our own stories. And, you know, it'll be a nice, safe, comfy, beautiful, magic, cozy space. I'm very excited about that. Keep a lookout on my Instagram, infinite.ritual for more information. I will release it later this week. Today is March 5th and this gets released Tuesday, March 7th. And I'll probably release the circle information by Thursday. Um, to join, you'll see the information on my Instagram. And yeah, I think this is such important work, you know, coming to a sense of high self-esteem as sensitive and empathic beings and empowerment and protection and learning our energetics. Um, so yeah, I hope to see you there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a five star. If you're on Spotify, write a few. If you're on Apple Podcasts, like or subscribe if you're on YouTube. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time.